The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what I did was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. How much has changed in the past uh, about four weeks or so since we did our position previews, or at least since we started them? Let's find out. If you missed those episodes, if you're just tuning in because your drafts are coming up, we're going to go through quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, strategies, the way we're approaching the position, uh, some players that we don't talk about all that much, some late-round picks that might help you out at the position, and just get you ready. All right, well, you know, we know you're drafting now, so it's crunch time, and we got to get you set. I'm Adam Azer with Ben Gretsch and Heath Cummings. Guys, you going to rest up tonight and get ready for a big draft-a-thon tomorrow? No, we're not, because you scheduled a draft until 10 o'clock tonight, uh, so it's impossible. <laughs> 10, if, 10 if we're lucky. <laughs> yeah, this podcast league draft is tonight. I added five IR spots, but that's only for COVID, only for COVID. I had a th- More importantly, uh-huh. did you select the correct fab option? Which is what? There, well, there's two correct. There's only one wrong, and that's leaving it like it was. CBS now has a way to have normal fab, except that players can be added first come, first serve on Sunday. Oh, okay. See, I had been doing that manually, as you recall, because I am a very yeah. courteous, kind commissioner. And it always, always, always creates problems, and it's not fair and equitable and does not work out well for everyone. So I'm glad that they've created a way to where you don't have to do that because it never works. (laughs) I think it worked pretty well, but I am also glad. So you can do it every night except for – for well, and then it's off on Sunday? Right. The problem with that is what if somebody gets scratched on like Thursday night at 5 o'clock? So I think it should just be fab – runs once per week, per usual, and then it's first come, first serve for the rest of the week. That's my preference. I don't have a problem with that. I, I don't like first comfort. Maybe first come, first serve on Thursdays and Sundays. That's a lot of commissionering, if that's a word, but I don't love the free-for-all uh, free agency. I just, I don't think that's fair. So, but we'll... Fair. I... <laughs> There will be very many unfair things happening in the next four months, Adam. You know what? I don't know if that's true. We're sitting here assuming there could be so much COVID. There's not as much in baseball no, as I, just I thought there was going to be. Every fantasy football season ever. Oh, like, what does okay. fair have to do with it? Well, you know. Is anybody else on this podcast but me? <laughs> I, I just, Adam said a note was like, you have to be ready for the show. It's we got to go quick. It's yada, true. yada. And then he just starts this conversation about COVID rules and just derails the first five minutes of the podcast. Well, I don't think I did. I think Heath did. Okay, let's do news and notes. So, yeah. Let's, you've, never, you've never met an argument with Heath. You could, you could pass up, though. That's true. I, that, is, that is very true. Okay. News and notes. Uh, Derwin James for the Chargers. He's out six to eight months with a knee injury. They were actually one of the lowest scoring DSTs in 2019. They didn't get a lot of turnovers, but they do have a good pass rush. Are they worth drafting for week one at Cincinnati, the Chargers DSD? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
Okay, then week two is Kansas City, and I don't know. I don't like. They look like they could be one of those awesome DSTs. Do they feel more like just a streamer now? You drop them as soon as that Bengals game is over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not going to hold them through a Kansas City game in week two. Okay. Eagles, uh, you know they lost their left tackle, Andre Dillard. Apparently, Jason Peters, who used to play left tackle as recently as last year, uh, he wants more money if he's going to move back to left tackle. So he's either going to play right guard for Brandon Brooks or he's going to get paid, apparently, and play left tackle. We'll see what happens there with the Eagles. Alshon Jeffrey is likely to miss week one, but he could be back sometime in September. What are our expectations for a healthy, or let's say a playing, Alshon Jeffrey? I mean, I think he probably leads the wide receivers and targets, especially with Jalen Rager banged up now and, and expected to miss some time. I mean, this report puts them up on about the same timeline, right? We expect yeah. Rager to miss the first couple of weeks. It's quite possible. Rager's at two to four weeks and Jeffrey sometime in September. So, yeah, they could be very similar timelines. So so who would, who do you think is going to be better? I think Jeffrey will probably be the easier bet to take for for more targets and for more production. Rager's the upside play that I would probably prefer in drafts. But um, yeah, I mean, Jeffrey's going to wind up being a pretty good value if he does come back in September and stay healthy. I mean, it's pretty incredible. Like he's not even getting drafted in some yeah. in most formats. Yeah. All right, uh, so keep out on Jeffrey on your radar, folks. I bet he is drafted tonight in our 14-team PPR league. Uh, Divino Zigbo could get a decent amount of work in week one because Rykel Armstead's, you know, he missed time earlier in camp due to uh, he was on the COVID list, didn't have it. And then um, he's missed some time, I think, with an unspecified illness recently. So Josh Shipley of Jaguar Report thinks that Ozigbo oh, could get some work in week one. They're facing a pretty tough run defense in the Colts who uh, who added DeForest Buckner and gave up 70 rushing yards to one running back in their last eight games. So I don't know that you're going to want them. I, in I think the interesting part of this report is that they're saying because of or due to Armstead's absences. And, and Armstead played ahead of Ozigbo late last year and, and as the number two throughout the year. Ozigbo was with Jacksonville, I think, from week five on or so throughout last season. I think they picked him up a little ways into the season. But he was on the roster for most of the year. And he only got a couple of touches in week 17 when Fournette was out, but Armstead was mainly the lead back. So Armstead was clearly ahead of him all of last year. And now the expectation sounds to be that when Armstead's ready, he might be ahead is at least the way that I'm hearing this. Yeah. Armstead and Ozigbo are the only two um, guys in this backfield that I'm actually drafting, but the only guy that I might start week one is Chris Thompson and PPR. I think the Colts gave up the most receptions to running backs in all of football last year. And like one of the reasons I'm not drafting Chris Thompson is he's got limited upside because he's not going to run the ball and he's probably going to get hurt like he pretty much always has. But on a week-to-week basis, if you're telling me he's 100% going into the game against a defense that has been targeted that way in a game where they're going to be way behind, yeah, I, I, might, I might start Thompson week one. You're not drafting Chris Thompson, Heath? I have not drafted Chris Thompson. Um, well, but I got, Fournette's only been off the team for a day. But, right, but I drafted Reichwell Armstrong before that. Yeah. Okay. Like I, I had him on five or six teams before Fournette was cut. Oh, nice work. But wow. I think to his point about week one, if you do a zero running back draft and you, and you target upside guys like J.K. Dobbins in the middle rounds like I've talked about, Chris Thompson's another guy that you can plug in week one and get really cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he definitely could have a role. Uh, the Bears are going to name their starting quarterback early next week. DeAndre Swift returned to practice. Golden Tate, day-to-day with a hamstring injury. Cooper Cup, minor ankle injury. 
Chris Herndon walked off the field with trainers today. I haven't seen an update. Chest, which chest. he had chest and lung problems last year. So it's scary until we get a clarification. And the DeAndre Swift thing, he came back and was limited in practice, right? Yeah. Like, I don't think he was a full go yet. So right. he's not okay yet. Lamar Miller is off the pup list for, and he's on the Patriots in case you have forgotten. Um, what do you make of this? Does he factor in at all? Is he just the thorn in everyone's side except for White? Feels like one of the Patriots veteran moves that doesn't wind up doing anything right at this point. I mean, Michelle yeah. beat him back. I meant to look up the most rushing touchdowns that a running back has had with Cam Newton, and I totally forgot, but I'd be interested to know that. I feel like uh, Jonathan Stewart probably had a decent amount. Wasn't, wasn't there a D'Angelo Williams season? That, that too, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, well, like, a double, like a double-digit touchdown season or something? He had 20 TDs one year, but that may have come before Newton. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm interested to know. Um, ESPN Giants reporter Jordan Renan has written a lot about Saquon Barkley in the passing game. And the article today, I don't know if he wrote the headline or not, but it was something like why Saquon Barkley could have 2,500 total yards. And uh, Jordan Renan said, the passing game is where Barkley could make significant gains. Watching him run routes at practice, the mismatches are obvious. His routes are crisper than ever. His explosiveness has returned. Linebackers and safeties have no chance. So we've talked about this with Barkley, uh, where he's been kind of like a 60-catch running back since the second half of his rookie year. And down the stretch last year when everyone was healthy, I think it was around 55 or 60 catches. That was his pace. Um, so do you make anything of this report and do you expect more of a passing game role than perhaps we anticipated for Saquon? It doesn't change anything for me because he's the clear number two in all formats for me. Um, right. and, and I'm not going to put him ahead of McCaffrey. I, I've gotten that question. I think that's silly. You've gotten that question. Who, yeah, I, who people could... are like, would you consider Barkley over McCaffrey? Like in DMs and stuff. And I'm like, no, I would not. Christian McCaffrey is the modern Marshall Falk. Like, look what he did last year. Yeah. No. Yeah, look, Barkley could certainly be better than McCaffrey, but I just don't see how you could take him ahead of him, you know? As, right. It seems like, sure, it could happen, but it seems just so obvious to take McCaffrey. But all right, anyway, um, J.K. Dobbins, according to John Harbaugh, will have a significant role in the offense. What does that mean to you, Heath? Uh, I've projected him for a significant role. Like I think Gus Edwards had a significant role in the offense last year. So this is encouraging that he, I was a little bit worried that like week one, it would be Ingram and Gus Edwards and Dobbins might just get a handful of touches. It sounds like he's already passed everyone, but Ingram, Ingram on the depth chart, hopefully. Yeah. Last year, the carries went like this for the Ravens, 202 for Ingram in 15 games, 176 for Lamar Jackson, 133 for Gus Edwards, 58 for Justice Hill. Yeah. I I mean, this makes me so excited about Dobbins. I just, sorry, I just want to cut in here because like Edwards got 133 carries he just said. So if Dobbins is potentially going to get that, that's huge, right? But we also have to recognize that Mark Ingram is 31 years old now. I mean, he was very very good last year. He'll be 31 in December, excuse me. Very very good last year, but how I mean, how long is this guy's career going to go, and how long is he going to be able to? I mean, there's possibilities he gets nicked up and banged up this year, and if that happens, we already know that Dobbins is you know this upside pick, but the standalone role adds so much to it too. Um, I want okay, I want to look something up for Dobbins. It's my favorite thing about I, him. And go ahead, I Heath. have looked something up for you. Oh, okay. If that makes you happy, go ahead. Um, in twenty seventeen, twenty sixteen, Jonathan Stewart had nine rushing touchdowns. 
in the following year, 2017, he and Christian McCaffrey and Cameron Artis Payne had nine rushing touchdowns. And in 2018, McCaffrey and Cameron Artis Payne had eight rushing touchdowns. So eight or nine his last three years in Carolina for the running backs. Okay. Uh, These were the last four games of the season for J.K. Dobbins. He faced Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Clemson. And he rushed for 157 or more yards in every game. Now, granted, he had 30 carries or more in three of those games. But Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Clemson, okay, it's not like he was facing some Mac school. Sorry, Mac. Uh, 157 or more yards in every game. 4.4, 6.8, 5.2, 9.7 yards per carry. I love J.K. Dobbins. I'm really excited for him. Um, Miami head coach Brian Flores said that Tua Tungavailoa's hip will be a factor in choosing a week one starter. Did, did this just signify to you even more that Brian Fitzpatrick is going to be the week one starter? Yeah. Yeah. All righty. And well, one, one more yeah. note oh, sorry. Uh, that you don't have on here, but uh, Miles Sanders was doing some shadow work, and I saw somebody speculate that if he was significantly hurt, shadow work meaning like kind of going through the motions, if he was significantly hurt, that he probably wouldn't be doing that. So I thought that was an, like a, a little bit of a positive update on him. So uh, we are going to get to the position preview reviews in just a moment. First, we have our tweet of the day. It comes from Danny Kreitz. Ben Gretsch's perfect league setup. One quarterback, five wide receivers, three flex, must be 25 or younger, and one point per 10 air yards. Heath, would you play in that league? Uh, I really enjoy different leagues. This kind of highlights something that I thought about when I realized we were doing the position preview updates and it was me and Ben. This may not be a fully um, all of the CBS view of the running back position in the next 15 minutes. Maybe I'll try to... Give them more like every Joe, every man without the one point per 10 air yards, which is a little bit extreme. Um, <laughs> I, I I'll play it's in this league a, for sure. It, it's got an age rule on your flexes. Yeah. You can't play running backs. that are more than 25 years old. There's nowhere to put them. <laughs> if everyone, right. That's true. Man, I'm just, you have to have 36 players in your starting lineup every week that are under 25. That's, that's rough. Uh, why not just make it an eight flex league instead of five wide receivers and three flex, you know? I'm, I'm in a few of those eight really? flex leagues. Yeah. Wow. How, and what's your typical breakdown? Uh, it's, these are um, a specific scoring system that's de- designed to make the positions basically equal. Okay. And so it's, it's a really, and it's best ball. So it's really wild. All right. Well, today's show is sponsored by ButcherBox. So, hungry people, listen up. Maybe you're planning. This is perfect for Heath, by the way, because you grill every weekend, all right? So, I'm going to save you some money and get you the best meat that you've had in a long time. And if you're planning maybe to grill on Labor Day weekend or you just want to stock up on delicious, high-quality meat, 100% grass-fed, finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage-breed pork, or wild-caught salmon... You can't find that at the grocery store, but you can find it at butcherbox.com slash FFT, butcherbox.com slash FFT. Get free ground beef for life. More on that later. So I can't tell you how much I love ButcherBox. I genuinely do. It's such high quality stuff. It's very affordable. We're talking about $6 per meal and it gets shipped right to your door. And it's the way meat should be. 
All of the meat is free of antibiotics and added hormones. Each box has 9 to 11 pounds of meat. That's enough for 24 individual meals. You can go on there. I can customize my own butcher box, or I can just use one that they have listed on the website. Either way, you're going to get exactly what you want. I know our audience pretty well through all the sponsorships that we've had, and, and this one is just is perfect for Fantasy Football Today listeners. You're going to love butcher box So much better than the stuff that I used to buy at the grocery store. It's just not even close. So you want some ground beef for life? You can get that. ButcherBox is offering new members ground beef for life. So that is two pounds of ground beef in every box for the life of their subscription. Go to butcherbox.com slash FFT, butcherbox.com slash FFT. Okay, quarterbacks, here we go. So uh, let's go with Ben. Ben, I'll give you the first word. Has anything changed in the last month, three weeks, four weeks, month, whatever, at quarterback, and what is your overall strategy? If somebody, think of this as like somebody hasn't been listening, they got a draft tomorrow, they need help with quarterback, what would you tell them? And what has changed, if anything? The biggest thing that's changed is Cam Newton is now my QB 13. Um, I was already getting really excited about him before, but Bill Belichick's raving about him. And he's a guy who, every time he's played 16 games, has been a top five quarterback in, in four-point per passing TD leagues. I think top six in six-point per passing TD leagues, but very good. Um, as recently as 2018, he was still running pretty well. Even if you look at his last three years, 2016 to 2018, he averaged over 500 rushing yards and five rushing touchdowns. He provides a huge rushing floor. Um, that's still going to be there. I still think Belichick will use him creatively. So he's a big target for me in the later rounds. Strategically, I'm not going to take Mahomes or Jackson where they have to go. The Murray, Prescott, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson group late in round six, early in round seven is interesting. I think it's a, it's an interesting early draft spot versus late draft spot discussion because they don't usually make it back to the end of round seven. At the six, seven turn, if I have an elite running back, it makes it a little easier to pull the trigger on that quarterback. If I'm in the early part of the draft uh, board, if I'm in the later part, it's pretty hard in the early six to, st- to already pull the trigger on a quarterback because you're already kind of behind the eight ball. You don't have that elite running back in the first round. Um, but if you so but I, if you were to take, let's say, Austin Eckler or Nick Chubb or something like that and give yourself two good running backs, two top 12 options, are you more likely to, in round six, take, that would, that would be, I guess, early in round six, but you're not going to get, you're not going to get your quarterback in late round seven. If you had that pick early in round six, would you take, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, one of those four. If I did that, I wouldn't take that quarterback there because I'd be too thin at receiver. But also you're asking if I would do something that you know I would pretty much never do. So Well, all right. But if, if you <laughs> we'll were get giving, to that in the running back. <laughs> no, but if you were giving it, because I think if I started two running backs and then I went wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, I could have three great wide receivers at that point and I'd be, in, I'd be thrilled to take one of those four quarterbacks there. I, I wouldn't do that. I, okay. I would want a, a fourth receiver at, 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 by that point, or okay. I would have probably considered a tight end earlier as well. Okay. Um, when would you feel comfortable with Mahomes and Jackson? You're probably not going to get them, but if they fell, when would you take them? Honestly, I mean, in some of our drafts, they've fallen even late into the third and I don't pull the trigger because it's just so, like structurally, it, it's such a problem when there are that many good receivers available um so where i would actually take them is probably the early fourth heath give me your thoughts on when the top six should go i would take mahomes in the third and i've considered it early third but it's mostly late third for me i won't take jackson till the fourth for me there's not that big a like 
fall off till I get to Prescott. Cause like I said, I think he's kind of in a tier of his own. Um, I would take Dak Prescott in the fifth round. I don't often just because it seems like there's someone else that's fallen or like Ben said, I don't have a running back yet. Um, but if Dak Prescott's there in the sixth, I am smashing the draft button. And I'm at the end of the sixth, I'm pretty happy with Wilson or Watson. I'll take Kyler in round seven. The only thing that's really changed for me in the last month is if I missed those guys, I felt perfectly comfortable saying, okay, I'll just wait until round 11. I'll take Carson Wentz because somebody's going to take Brady over him. Somebody's going to take Ryan over him. And now I don't feel as like, I still think Carson Wentz is a top 12 quarterback. I don't feel quite as confident in that strategy. If I miss one of those seven guys, I'm now much more likely to draft two quarterbacks. Okay. There's never a point, though, I think, in a one QB league where any of us are panicking at quarterback, right? Okay. If it has to come down to, all right, I'll take Jared Goff and Ben Roethlisberger. Or for Heath, I'll take Gardner Minshew and someone else, you know? We're fine, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Joe Burrow's another one that I'm getting really excited about. All just positive stuff about him. Newton and Goff both go really late, who are two of my favorite mm-hmm. late round guys. Heath mentioned Matt Ryan. I, I think he goes later than he should sometimes because uh, they're going to throw a ton. Um, so yeah, I never panic. The the discussion about whether to take that second tier quarterback I just had is like the only time I'll deviate from waiting because it's so easy to wait. Yep, and and go for upside because chances are if you if you miss on a quarterback, um, you can probably find a good replacement on waivers. Now that obviously changes in a two quarterback league, and of course you have to monitor what your draft is doing. It's possible that your drafts people are going to be really concerned about losing players to COVID, and they might stockpile quarterbacks. But in a normal year, quarterback is always really deep. Take advantage of the waiver wire and go for upside with your draft picks. Um, Heath, uh, a four-point per passing touchdown league, that's PPR. I'm not sure. You, you can't really like devalue quarterbacks more, I suppose, right? Because they don't catch passes. Sure, I can. Wait, <laughs> uh, how? Um, I mean, I just I, they do fall down my board just a little bit more. I like I wouldn't take Patrick Mahomes in the third oh, round. Oh no, no, but, I meant I meant you couldn't think of a format that devalues quarterbacks. I, okay. Yeah, yes. yeah. Sorry. Well, except except for two QB and super flex leagues, right? right? One QB league PPR four point per passing touchdown. It's the worst. Um, yeah. For what do you do? Quarterbacks. I I'm less likely to draft one early. It's probably the only format where I'm drafting Josh Allen now I'm getting less interested in him in six points per passing touchdown leagues and then when you get especially it changes things when you get to that second half of the quarterback starters I guess you would say I'm much less likely to draft the Brady Breeze group that in that range I'm much more likely to draft someone like Daniel Jones or to start the year streaming with Terod Taylor um that, like that makes a pretty big difference in that portion of the rankings. Cause those guys are, and that's like, it makes sense because part of the reason we're waiting at quarterback is because we're saying the difference between seven and 17 is almost nothing. And so if you make a massive change to the scoring system, it makes a massive change to the rankings and guys go from 17 to seven or seven to 17. Okay. I'm going to ask you some questions about quarterbacks that I don't think we talk enough about. So here we go. Who are you taking Baker Mayfield or Joe Burrow? Burrow, who goes a little bit later. I'm not taking Mayfield anywhere. No, it's Burrow, and I, I've not drafted either of them, I don't think, but it, Burrow was the one I would, do if I had to. 
a little interested to see what Mayfield can do in weeks two through four. Week one is at Baltimore. Week two, Cincinnati. Week three, Washington. Week four, Dallas. Don't know. They lost their leading sacker from last year. They lost their top cornerback. Well, one of their top cornerbacks. So um, I, we'll but, see. And that's the, the reason I don't take Baker Mayfield is like you say Cincinnati and Washington. And let's just assume it's because those defenses are terrible and they're going to score a bunch of points. What's the over-under for the number of pass attempts for Baker Mayfield? Because Washington's and Cincinnati are probably not going to score a lot of points against them. Yeah, like, I guess possible. the Bengals could be a shootout, but like the problem for Baker Mayfield is he's playing a good defense, so we don't want to start him against them, or they're playing a bad team, so he's going to throw 25 passes. Okay. How surprised would you be if Derek Carr, Drew Locke, or Phillip Rivers had a huge season? Very surprised uh, in the term in the sense of Carr and Rivers Locke. I can see, but I don't. I, I, I there's a lot of risk there, so he's not somebody that's high in my rankings. Um, but yeah, Carr doesn't really push the ball downfield enough. Rivers doesn't have any mobility. Those guys, it's tough for them to have monster years. Define huge top ten quarterback. Like I could see Derek Carr or Philip Rivers or Drew Locke finishing tenth this year. That, I saw. That, I saw an amazing Philip Rivers stat. Sorry, I just got to share this. Since he started his career, he I, I believe it was he has he's had more kids than he's had overall QB1 weeks because he doesn't <laughs> rush at all. He's only had like six overall QB1 weeks. He's had eight kids since he came into the league. But that is incredible. Play, if he plays 16 games, it, he may finish there. Um, it's just you won't be happy about having him. Uh, top 10 per game, I guess is what I meant. All right, then. How surprised would you be if Sam Darnold, Kirk Cousins, or Dwayne Haskins had a huge season? Pretty, pretty surprise. Haskins is the one that um, he's apparently doing well in camp. He looks like he's locked up the number one, uh, the number one job, even though, you know, Alex Smith and and others are there. But uh, we expect him to throw a lot more with Ron Rivera, uh, like probably running a little bit more tempo with this offense. It wouldn't surprise me if they threw a lot more. He's the one guy that I think could have a decent second season for, for super flex and two QB leagues. All right, our draft-a-thon is tomorrow, Wednesday night. It starts at 6 p.m., and it's also your chance, uh, your last chance to bid on a spot in the For the People podcast league. Um, or you can be a guest on our podcast or have a Zoom call with an expert or get a custom-designed fantasy logo. All available if you go to eBay slash str slash cbs fantasy football 2020. Don't worry, I'm going to put a link in the episode description. But uh, please... Join us tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern to 8 p.m. Eastern on CBS Sports HQ. If you have the CBS Sports app, you can watch right on there. Um, and then 8 p.m. to midnight on Twitch, twitch.com slash FF today. Uh, our brand new podcast, Fantasy Football Today in 5, is out. Get caught up on the news of the day in just five minutes, first thing in the morning. Download and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Smart Speakers, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Heath, I think I should give you running back, at least the first words. Uh, how, how have things changed, if at all, in the last few weeks? And what should people know about drafting running backs? I, not everything has changed in the last few weeks, but it kind of feels like everything has changed in the last month, at least for me and how I'm viewing the running back position. Because, And I, I was tweeting about this earlier today. My busts in my running back preview a month ago were all rookie running backs. All of them, according to ADP, are being drafted a round and a half to, to three rounds later than they were a month ago. And so I, I'm not, 
I'm now viewing those guys as, man, those are really viable mid-range running, mid-round running backs with big upside. I'm far more excited to draft them now. I'm not really down on any of the rookie running backs at their ADP, other than the fact that I wouldn't take Clyde edwards Lair in the first round. Um, the reason I said you're not going to get a full representation of how CBS or the industry views running backs right now is like, I was kind of queasy about the whole you don't have to start with elite running backs thing a month ago. Now, the more and more that I look at the running backs that are available after round five, after round six, I don't even think it's the right plan to start with elite running backs at the beginning of your draft because unless you're getting one of the top five, I'm not sure you're getting an elite running back. All the guys going at the end of round one, I'd rather have in the middle of round two and so like, I feel more confident in taking receivers and tight ends early than I did a month ago. And I feel like there's plenty of options available in the middle and end of the draft. Like the dead zone, I believe in, except this year, it includes a huge number of talented young running backs. You wow. mentioned that I've been expanding the dead zone, but you just described that you've expanded the dead zone into the second round. Basically. No, what I'm, I, I'm basically saying like, I don't know that I really like last year I would have, I was kind of on board with it. I understand like the history of it. There's probably rounds four five, six, and seven. There are running backs that I can get excited about in every one of those rounds. Yeah. It's just, I think it's the younger ones. It's not the old guys. That's my guess. Well, there's a ton of younger ones as though. There the are, yeah, yeah. Like I, more than normal. I think that but, I I can't see a draft where I'm not taking at least one running back with my first two picks. Like somebody sent me um, their team, and I believe they had taken um, Cam Akers in round five, and then Kareem Hunt in round six, and then J.K. Dobbins in round seven. And they'd started with like, Michael Thomas, DJ Moore, Allen Robinson, Terry McLaurin. And I'm like, I just... I, yeah, but the I thing is, you team. don't have to take DJ Moore in round two. You know? It, well, you do if you want to have Allen Robinson and Terry McLaurin. But why can't you do Michael Thomas, Nick Chubb, DJ Moore, Terry McLaurin, DK Metcalf, or DJ Chark, you know? Like... This is what I was talking about with Jamie on Friday. Last Friday, he and I did a show. We did seven tips for your draft. And I said that the rounds three through five wide receivers are the strength of fantasy drafts this year. And they should dictate somewhat what you do in rounds one and two, which is why I think you get at least one running back because rounds three through five is the gold zone for wide receivers. So I Gold just don't- zone, great. <laughs> I, if you go back and listen to the wide receiver preview pod, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what I said. That We've been rounds saying three that, through five receivers yeah. should dictate your draft strategy. So that's a very astute point that you came to uh, a month later. Adam. Honestly, dude, I think we've I think we've <laughs> all been saying that since we were doing mock drafts like months and months ago. It's just always felt that way, and I can't, I cannot make. I mean, I personally cannot make. J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, Kareem Hunt, centerpiece of my fantasy back because I have to have at least one guy that I know I can start week one and is going to get a ton of work. That, that's that's the way I see it. And quite honestly, that's the way most fantasy managers are seeing it. I'm, I, I want to clarify. I was not saying the state of the running back position is that you should not take any running backs in the first four rounds because they all suck. 
if there's like you should take those top five running backs. If there's if you think honestly that Clyde Edwards Elaire has the same ceiling and floor as those other top five, I think that's foolish. But I could understand putting him right up there in the same group with them. Well, why does he? Why can't he be? You know, the eighth pick. He doesn't have to have the same ceiling and floor. He doesn't have the same floor as those guys. But why? Why can't he be like the eighth pick instead of Julio Jones? Why can't Miles he, Sanders be that guy? Well, all of those guys now have questions. But like, everybody has questions. Glaring, que- like I don't, I don't agree. I don't think Michael Thomas has questions. Fine. I don't so, think Devo- Devontae Adams has questions. I, I don't know what the questions are about whether Julio Jones is going to produce a top five season. 20, 21% target share with Calvin Ridley last year. Never scores okay. 10 touchdowns. And, but what was he doing in those games? He was good. He wasn't, he, he was like, I, I'll tell right. you. I'll yeah, but you. I mean, okay, then don't take Julio Jones. There's still several other like receivers. Why, but why wouldn't I take Miles Sanders or or Josh Jacobs or uh, Clyde edwards there there? I don't this think is, you should take Jacob. I love Julio Jones, but but I don't know why I wouldn't take those running backs when when three hundred. Well, they're not going to score as many points. Three hundred and twenty touch running backs who could score twelve touchdowns are such valuable currency in fantasy. The the point that you made uh, to to Heath's point when you listed out the receivers and you you pointed you gave a different idea and you said Chubb in the second Chubb's not a guy that I want because of the receiving negativity negativity but a first or second round running back, you still describe taking four receivers in the first five rounds. And I think you can still, your point is valid. The depth at receiver is strong enough that you can still take a running back early and do that. Uh, I think another point that Heath might make and that I would make is that when you don't take a running back early, you can also take a Kelsey or a Kittle in the second round, or you can take an Andrews in the fourth round, which I like to do and still take four receivers in the first five rounds. So you do have to pick and choose a little bit, but I agree with you that yes, you can take one early running back and still get plenty of receiver depth this year. Yeah. Um, and but also to another thing I want to chime in here because we're we're talking about the running backs right now. Heath named a bunch of good guys in like round six, round seven range. It's deeper still by a lot. There's the Philip Lindsay's, there's the carry on Johnson's. Zach Moss is really interesting for a week one role. Antonio Gibson keeps getting a ton of buzz. These Tariq are seven, Cohen. eight, nine. Tariq Cohen, Boston Scott, I love. Um, there are these are seven, eight, nine, ten round guys sometimes. Joshua Kelly is going in like the tenth or the eleventh. Guy might have a legitimate week one role. It, it, part of that's because of the influx of rookies this year. Part of that's just because there's some uncertainty in a lot of these backfields. But we are really deep at running back this year in projectable week one roles in a way that we've almost never been. And Naheem Hines goes in like the thirteenth round. The, the dude's gonna catch passes every week from Philip Jam- Rivers. James White now has around ten ADP in I don't, well, I don't understand, I, yeah, that's good I understand that at all. Yeah, no, it's, that's good value. But look, I mean, there are a lot of wide receivers I like, late, I like late too. And I think if you take running backs early, let's say you start with two running backs, okay? Let's say you start with uh, Miles Sanders and Kenyon Drake or something like that. You can still get very good wide receivers. You're, not, you're obviously not going to get an elite top two tight end. You can still get great wide receivers. And you can still get all that running back depth later. You're, it's not like you take those two and then all of a sudden you stop drafting running backs. Uh, so a, a big thing is that that strategy can work and that strategy looks better on paper as well. 
But you have to also recognize that running back is the most fragile position. It's the most opportunity-based position. We just saw a massive shift in the Jacksonville running back values because London Fournette got cut. Okay, that it's not going to happen to every running back. <laughs> yeah, it's but not going to happen jobs, to any running back. He was the most likely a, a to get lot. cut. Well, it might happen with it might happen with Alvin Kamara. Damian Williams opted out, and Clyde right. Edwards-Hilaire went from a falling late third-round pick to the the top six overall. Um, we we've seen like DeAndre Swift got banged up. His value dropped a ton. It, any like running back values shift more because of injuries and changes in projected opportunity than any other position. Heath led this by saying almost everything has changed in the last month, and that's what happens every season. Yeah, a month into the season, but, everything changes. A month into the season, to, you don't have to choose sides. You can draft. You can draft running backs early and draft running backs late. You Dave would like if Dave would say everything that you're saying is right. That's why I want more running backs. And I, I mean, I, I kind of agree with that, like like load up on running backs, but I at least want to have some steadiness, some reliability uh, at the top of the draft. But, but you know, well, yeah, I'm, the, I'm making the, this the point issue... because I, I'm making this point because I'm, I'm almost like arguing for ADP for what people are actually right. doing because I, I feel like I need to put that viewpoint out there. Sure. Agreed. Um, so, I, so but, yeah. but you said you wanted steadiness and reliable right reliability at the to- top of the draft. The way you get that is but not by drafting running backs, right? Well, There's I mean, no, I, look, they're not you, steady and reliable. Like even last year, the year that led us into this draft, fifteen running backs in the first two rounds business, the first and second round running backs were like a 50-50 bet. Uh, let me look that up because I remember. Okay, you know what? But that might have been because of injury, not because of performance. Because they were more than receivers. Yeah, that's that's fine. By the way, Julio Jones in those twelve games for him was thirteen weeks, twelve games. Ninety-two. He was on pace for ninety-two catches, one thousand three hundred fifty-five yards, and five touchdowns. So that wasn't great. That you know, I, get, I, I think we bad. need to go back because people are obviously listening to this and pulling their hair out at Ben and I, and I understand that. Um, when I say everything's changed over the last month, um, like Al, did Alvin Kamara practice today? He's I'm not sure. Still, still not shown up since last week, and we've got a report that he's it's like a holdout. Joe Mixon has migraines, and there's reports that might have something to do with the contract. Miles Sanders has a hamstring injury and hasn't practiced for a week and a half. Kenyon Drake is out of his walking boot now, but not fully participating in practice. Like. It's not that I just decided I don't want to draft running backs in the first round anymore. It's that besides, for me, Austin Eckler, all the other running backs in PPR that I was going to draft in the first round, those question marks surfaced before we got to the main time of draft season. Before we even got th- yeah. yeah, before we even got to the season, but that's what happens at the position in season as well. And that's the point I'm always trying to drive home. And to your point about the the stability in the early rounds being more receiver based. Adam, you make a good point about Julio, but he was still productive. He was underwhelming, yeah. but his floor is a lot higher than David Johnson, who I took in first rounds last year. I liked him a lot yeah, for anyone yeah, who was yeah. listening to us last year. <laughs> he got benched. They traded for someone to replace him, and he had no value. Julio Jones still was a starter. Yeah, it just look, wasn't as good. If I felt if I felt like I couldn't get not good, but great wide receivers in rounds three through five. I would totally agree with you, but the way a ADP works now is it's so running back heavy where we are expecting about 14 running backs in the first 24 picks. We're expecting about 14 running backs, two quarterbacks, two tight ends. That leaves six wide receivers going in the first two rounds. So that roughly 
that means rounds three and four are loaded with great wide receivers and guys that could realistically finish top five. And that, I think, is the strongest case for taking running backs in the first two rounds. And you don't have to, but it, that's just that's the case for it. I, I No, it's a good I case. Make, I, I want to make that clear. For, that's no, it, it's a good it. case. I want to make one last counterpoint, though. I, I think what happens with people who go that route and then they have a wide receiver injury and the, and or something goes wrong with the wide receiver because we can't be certain that wide receivers are going to be a 100% hit rate, right? right? Then they say this didn't work. But part of that's my, my whole point is this is why I say draft an, an extra bench receiver in the high leverage rounds. Get strong at receiver. They're still more stable, but you, you want to make sure that even if you do miss on one receiver, you have a little bit of resiliency there. You've kind of pressed that advantage at the wide receiver position when you take them early. What you're talking about is basically filling only your starting spots, maybe not even your flex with some good receivers, but then you miss, you lose one of those guys. All of a sudden you're like, man, this didn't even give me strong receivers. And so I, I'm saying that you can kind of almost take that a little bit further and be deeper at receiver and then still get some of that running back value in round eight, round 10 that we were just talking about. You know, I want to look up one of my teams that I've drafted because to show you the way I'm building a team, because I just don't think it's that different than what you're doing. And well, I, I, I want to get your thoughts is, on it. Right, right. I think the difference is, um, with the approach I'm talking about, my number one wide receiver might be the number one wide receiver in fantasy this year, or he's a top two or three guy. Your number one wide receiver is awesome, but he's probably more of a low end number one. Uh-huh. My number two is a top eight or nine wide receiver. Your number two is an excellent number two that's awesome. And if he plays 16 games, will probably be a number one. It, and like, my number three yeah. is still a top 12 wide receiver. And I, but you need to understand though that I am not married to taking two running backs with my first two picks. I'm simply right. I'm kind of married to taking at least one. Um, so let me tell you, this is an IDP league. Things are a little bit different because defensive players are going. But I think when you just look at the crux of my lineup, like I didn't, I took a running back in round one and five. So I went Alvin Kamara, Travis Kelsey, Juju Smith-Schuster, Robert Woods, Ronald Jones. My number three wide receiver is Sterling Shepard, and my flex right now is Cam Akers, but that's probably going to be like Debo Samuel or I don't know. I'll figure it out. Uh, no, I mean, it could be Cam Akers if Daryl Henderson, I don't know, whatever. But uh, Matt Ryan's my quarterback. But Matt Ryan, Alvin Kamara, Ronald Jones, Cam Akers, and then my three receivers are Juju, Robert Woods, and Sterling Shepard. My tight end is Travis Kelsey. So I... I like I said, I'm not married to running back, running back. I went Kelsey in round two, but the fact that I that have team Kam- can win. Yeah, I that like team this team. Can certainly win. I th- and I think we would all agree on on this type of structure. You know, Camara was an easy pick for I, me at five. Kelsey well, was an I, easy pick for me in the middle of round two. I would say we can all agree on that, but I would also say that Shepard as your wide receiver three is giving up a lot of points to the types of teams that that Heath and I are building, and you do have a little bit more risk with both Kamara and and Jones in the top five picks. I mean, even though you didn't go running back, running back, there's a lot of scenarios where Jones misses a, a block and gets benched right away. There's scenarios where Kamara just doesn't start to show up to practice, mm-hmm. right? And those guys lose a lot of value, and now you're relying on Shepard to really be a breakout receiver, and those are a little harder to come by than breakout running backs late. I mean, yeah. he's still good. Well, but... that's the price of having Kelsey. Otherwise, yeah. Shepard would be a better player. But fair sure. enough. Okay. Um, running back and wide receiver are always so closely linked. So I think we covered a lot of wide receiver strategy. But let me ask you these questions real quick about these running backs. By midseason, who is the best running back for Buffalo? Ooh. I Josh think Allen. Pr- I think they're pretty even. <laughs> 
Josh Allen. Zach Moss, you got to like. He's one of my favorite round seven, round eight picks. Who's the best running back by midseason for the Rams? Cam Akers. Akers. Who's the best by midseason for the Ravens? J.K. Dobbins. I would say, say like for fantasy mm-hmm. or ta- we're just fantasy, fantasy points, right? Mm-hmm. I think Mark Ingram's still getting the most touches and scoring the most points in midseason. If he's healthy. For the Colts. <laughs> oh, um, t- Mac. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor. For the Lions. Carry on. Uh, Swift for me. For the Dolphins. Howard. Breida. There we go. <laughs> not not <laughs> one agreement. Excellent. Uh, not no, really. We got, we got Which bug? The Rams. The Rams. Cam Akers. Further drives home the point that there are a lot of options. Uh, yes, but all those options could be at a committee, so just keep that in mind. <laughs> Wide receiver, has anything changed in the last month? And what's overall strategy? Ben? Not a, not a lot. Uh, I, I don't shift receiver rankings a lot because of you know little things here and there because targets are, are earned more than running back opportunity, which is more kind of given out, um, you know, for running backs, the most important stat is snaps, frankly, uh, even more than more predictive than touches, um, receivers, good players draw targets. And so I don't, I don't shift my rankings a lot. You don't have to, that's a big reason why they're stable. They don't shift a lot in season. I mean, obviously guys are, are playing well or, or not playing well, but I'm not changing a ton, uh, based on the month leading up to the season. And that's kind of the way that the season goes as well. My overall strategy is to hammer them. If you're in a three receiver with a flex league that's PPR, I want uh, a starting receiver in my flex spot by probably round six. If not, then definitely round seven. And I probably want a bench receiver in my top 36 receivers or top 40, depending on a couple of guys that are in that range. Shepard for me is outside of that. I'm trying to make sure I get the Tyler Boyds and the Michael Gallups of the world as my flex or even my first bench player. Usually my first bench player is Christian Kirk, who I really like uh, and goes a little bit later than those guys, but I have him as as one of those top 36 receivers. But I want a lot of depth, a lot of firepower at receiver in those top ranges. There are so many young breakout receivers, so really stock up on those guys. The thing that has changed for me is the redraft outlook for the rookie wide receivers. Um, I'm more excited about Henry Ruggs. I'm more excited about LaVisca Chenault. I'm more yes. excited about Brian Edwards. And I, I'm considerably less excited about Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson. Um, and Brendan Ayuk's kind of been on a roller coaster of his own. I'm not even sure where I'm at with him right now. But like those, there's been a lot of shuffling in the double-digit rounds as far as those bench receivers that you're drafting. Oh, and draft Chenault in every league. I, I should have added that to mine too. I agree with you, Heath. Now, if you have a late pick in round one in a 12-team league, and I could guarantee you, guarantee you that with your third and fourth round picks, two of these three players will be on the board. Juju Smith-Schuster, DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley. Okay. Does that make you more likely to take at least one, if not two, running backs with your first two picks. Two questions. Two because I think I think this is something we didn't address with the running backs, and we certainly should have because I've seen Ben in non PPR drafts, and he does behave differently. We all do. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, is it non PPR or PPR? Because all that discussion we just had about running backs was based on PPR. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Should have yeah. said we that. You're right. You that. You're right. We should have. No. We should have. Um, but. If it's PPR and I can start four wide receivers, then it doesn't change anything for me. Yeah, that's the other thing. If it's right. a two that's receiver, that's the second question. How many receivers are starting? Because I, I was thinking I knew his questions. Uh, 
Yeah, that's a big difference. I mean, I'm going to say two wide receivers, two wide receivers and a flex. Like, I want to really hammer this point home. If you're in a non-PPR league or if you're in a league where you can only start two wide receivers and there's no flex, then just just like delete from your mind the things that I said about running back. Yeah, just delete delete this I episode. Agree. <laughs> I agree. Right. Right. No, it's, it makes a huge difference. We were like, talking about having a, a PPR Those discussion. leagues are getting less and less common, but I know there's still like a quarter of leagues or something are like that. So but what if it's two wide receivers and a flex? Well, what I was saying, so what I was saying was trying to hammer home the get to the first bench spot with good receivers in two wide receivers with a flex. That's only four receivers, right? In the top six or seven rounds, which leaves you room to probably the top seven rounds leaves you room to get two running backs in the first two, if you want, or, you know, somewhere in those seven rounds, plus even a, a potentially an elite tight end. Um, and, and you, that I do that a lot more in those leagues where you can only start three receivers. Okay. So uh, I'm not sure if we answered. All right, fine. So full PPR, yeah, so full PPR, question, full PPR, yes. three receivers and a flex, the most wide receiver favorable strategy. I'm guaranteeing you that in rounds three and four, you can take two of DJ Moore, Juju Smith-Schuster, Calvin Ridley. What do you do with your first two picks? Who I, I, if, if, if I can get Michael Thomas or Devontae Adams there, I'm taking them. Mm-hmm. If I can get... Tyreek Hill, Julio Jones, or Travis Kelsey there, I'm taking them. I'm not going running back, running back whatsoever. So you wouldn't you wouldn't at least take one running back and Julio Jones and then those two wide receivers? I'm start like I'm these are all starters I'm drafting. Mm-hmm. Well, so it doesn't really you're matter to me where I'm fl- putting uh, them in. You're not locking up your flex if you take Kelsey, I guess. Okay. Well, or if I'm locking up my flex with Calvin Ridley, I am okay with locking up my flex with a top ten wide receiver. But you just said three receivers. Oh, oh, because if 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 Heath went if, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver to start. Yeah, I yeah. If I could start with Devonte Adams, Tyreek Hill, DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, like, and you would do that over Miles Sanders and Clyde. Edwards I'm probably either? going Miles Sanders, Tyreek Hill, and then I'm taking you know Moore and AJ Brown, and then I'm taking another receiver, um, or I'm considering Kelsey if like Hill and and Thomas and Adams all went. I'm considering Kelsey early in the second, and then hammering receiver from three through seven. Okay. All right. But I would be okay uh, taking one running back. I wouldn't go two. more wide receiver questions for you. Give me just, just names, just names. Give me like three late round wide receivers. You're drafting a lot. Chenault Kirk. Um, I have Paris Campbell on every team. He's a good one. Rager was was on that list for me, but he's hurt now. Oh, Mikel Hardman. Yeah, Kirk Hardman and Chenault would be the three clear leads for me. I get them on a lot of teams. Um, does Preston Williams count or is he yeah. too oh. right now? No, no, he counts. Okay, yeah, Chenault for sure. Preston Williams and Sterling Shepard. Okay. Um, some of us love Will Fuller. Does anyone love anyone love Brandon Cooks? I don't think anybody loves Brandon Cooks, but I do think it's a mistake. Um, like I feel, I I don't want to be this guy, but there should be people out there doing for Brandon Cooks what other people are doing for Will Fuller. I don't disagree with that at all, and I love Fuller. And the reason I don't draft Cooks is because I draft Fuller on so many teams. Right, but I think like Cooks has if if he's just himself again and he doesn't get a concussion this year. And Will Fuller doesn't stay healthy. Like I'm not even sure that last one has to happen, but I'll just say it as a qualifier. Then Cooks is probably a top twelve wide receiver. Uh, okay, tight end. 
Has anything changed in the last month? And what is your overall strategy, Heath? Uh, yeah, there's been, again, nothing's really changed at the top for me. Um, you've still got the elite Kelsey Kittle. For me, it's then Andrews on an island. And then I just kind of hold my nose while someone else drafts Zach Ertz. Um, the Waller, Ingram, Henry, Hurst group is right there. Like where it's changed for me is with some of the later round guys. I'm not that interested in Gronk anymore. The more they talk up OJ Howard, the more they talk about snap counts for Gronk. And the more you look at target share, if they're actually going to throw it to the running back some and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are there, I would rather draft John I'd rather draft Blake Jarwin several rounds later. Um, Chris Herndon had a whole thing and it might be over now because he's got a chest injury, but that like, that was a thing that kind of changed. Um, there's yeah. those guys at the back end are rotating, but for me, I would still much rather just draft Kelsey or Kittle. When I will take Kelsey at the one, two turn. I will take Kittle in the middle of the second. Okay. Yeah, what about Andrews and Ertz? I will take Andrews at the three, four turn. Andrews is a, a, a great three, four turn or fourth round pick. And I'm actually um, not holding my nose on Ertz. There's been so many receiver injuries for the Eagles. Again, Ertz is clearly going to lead that team in targets. And he's now a, a pretty easy value for me when he falls into the fifth, like it's in PPR. It's and just I, right. I think C, like CBS ADP is third round for Ertz and oh. late fourth for Andrews. So, oh my. Um, but yeah, if, if he's there in the fifth, I'm okay with that. Okay, and I'm going to give you some questions about players we rarely talk about. And uh, you just sort of got into this, but why do we really talk about Rob Gronkowski and could O.J. Howard actually be a sleeper? Gronk, yep. we don't talk about a lot because we don't know anything. Like, we don't know how healthy he is. We don't know what his role is going to be. The, the information we've gotten now has been scary on role. And, and one thing, just on the overall tight end thing, I, I want to chime in with, I said running back's very opportunity-based. and receiver, we don't change rankings a lot. Tight end's a hybrid. Like, when we hear things about they're going to use this guy in the offense, that matters. It's not just snaps because they might keep him in to block. If this guy's going to be a part of their passing game, that matters. That happened with Herndon. Um, I think we're getting some positive new uh, ideas from uh, about Blake Jarwin as well. I'm really excited about TJ Hawkinson and, and what his role might be in this offense. So it's kind of a hybrid. This isn't just a targets only like, like you need to know that the guy's going to be involved. Right. So, mm -hmm. uh, sorry, sorry to get so random, like off topic, but to your point about Gronk, we're not getting a lot of indications that he's going to be an every down and involved play. It's almost like he's going to play a Dallas Goddard role. Could OJ Howard actually be a sleeper? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. How likely is a top 12 season from Eric Ebron? More likely than his ADP suggests, I would say, but I'm not really getting him. Yeah, uh, 10% chance, 12%. Like, I, I want to go back to the OJ Howard Gronk thing for a minute because I did want to highlight something I tweeted about earlier. Like, when Tom Brady had Gronk and Aaron Hernandez for those two years, he also had Danny Woodhead. Danny Woodhead in one of those years had like 30 targets, and the other year had 50 targets. They just did like, the, and that was a philosophical thing with the New England doing something that other teams didn't do. But we do have precedents for Brady having two elite tight ends, targeting them 200 times and not throwing to his running backs, even though he had good pass catching running backs on the team. Uh, okay. Cool stat. Cool story, Hansel. No, that is cool. I like that. <laughs> um, John U. Smith or Ian Thomas? John U. Um, they're both pretty low for me. I, I guess I have John who a little bit ahead, but there's probably guys behind both of them that I draft ahead. 
Blake Jarwin or Noah Fant? Jarwin. Jarwin. TJ Hawkinson or Jack Doyle? <laughs> this is a 13-spot rank difference on my tight end list. <laughs> I have them back-to-back. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's uh, I know it's Hawkinson for for bad. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously he's young. Right. Um <laughs> I would like I would probably say I'd probably take Hawkinson. I have Doyle on a lot more teams than I do Hawkinson. All right, we're going to finish the show with what everybody's been waiting for, everybody being me and like four other people. Team Name Tuesday. <laughs> All right, Jake from State Farm. That apparently is Jake Fromm's Twitter handle. So that's like what? I mean, it's good. It's funny. Somebody sent that to us. Yeah, and you—that was one of the ones that qualified, even though it's someone else's Twitter account. I look. The reason why I put this in is because I thought <laughs> I said I think on a Twitch show like, "Oh, Jake from State Farm, what a great Jake Fromm State Farm, what a great team name." And then Schrager was like, "That's his Twitter handle." So I was giving a little love to someone who made the same mistake I did, and then. Cole McDonald had a farm. Cole McDonald. How about Gimme DJ Gimme More? I used to play the Britney Spears Gimme Gimme More like last year when we would talk about him. I'm so, gonna name a team DJ Gimme More. That, please don't. That's such a bad. You are the worst <laughs> these, at team names. That these are the all worst. terrible though. Yours are bad too. <laughs> these aren't mine. These are from the listeners. Oh, Singletary and ready to mingle Terry. No. Slightly the, better. <laughs> no, what? Yeah, that was slightly better than the other ones. Head in the Sanders. Yeah, that's not good. Sure. No. Uh, this one comes, I don't know who this is from, but he says, Dave said my team name two years ago called Cheesy Jordita Crunch was the worst he's ever heard. Well, now I've drafted Clyde Edwards, Z-Lair, and Patrick Mahomes, and now we get to see if Adam can rap. I whistled for a cab, and when it came near, the license plate said fresh and had dice in the mirror. If anything, I could say that this cab was rare, but I thought, nah, forget it. Mahomes to Hilaire. Mahomes to Hilaire. Yeah, that's that's not... Um, what about Green Acres? <laughs> that's that's not bad, since he's so young. <laughs> you know? I, no, I was going to say you draft AJ Green and Cam Acres. Okay. Mahomes uh, to Hilaire is good. I like it. Judy and the Higbeast. Judy and the Higbeast. Beauty and the Beast? No. Yeah. Nope. You failed. <laughs> Take, Taylor Swift? The, yeah, of course. Take my homes tonight. What do you think? Take my homes tonight? C plus. Kiki for cutie puffs. That's not bad. No. He doesn't. You he's, don't know. He's not relevant anymore. You got to come yeah. up. <laughs> that's, that was a, maybe a good one last year. Hmm. All right. Well, that's all I got from the listeners. I'm going to try to. Somebody come up with a good LaVisca Chenault name. Limp Biscuit Chenault, remember? Somebody come up with a good (laughs) LaVisca Chenault name. (laughs) Um, Robert, Woods, you like to draft me? Chenault that into you? That's not bad. Not horrible. Especially right up the top. How about Josh Allen Wrench? Uh... Um, okay, well, that's it. I'm done. I love the way you Aust- ask him with a question mark. Like, Asta yeah. LaVisca, baby. Oh, excellent. Excellent. That's really Asta good. Asta LaVisca, baby. I love it. Winner. All right. Heath Cummings wins Team Name Tuesday. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget the draft a thon, 6 p.m. 
until midnight Eastern on HQ for two hours, on Twitch for four hours. Also, we have Twitch tonight. We have Twitch tonight, and then Wednesday and then Thursday. Big week on Twitch, twitch.com slash FF today. For Ben and Heath, I'm Adam. Talk to you tomorrow. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.